two o'clock, and it is time for There Are Some Who Call Me Tim. I always try to time it out, and I never do it right. Here it comes. It's going to come now. Someone call me Tim. Okay, there we go. Uh, Someone call me Tim. This is the show um, about, based off of Monty Python on the Holy Grail and the search for the Holy Grail and how silly and ridiculous that gets at the end. And then there's a character in it, and he's a he's a wizard. And they he said they said you know what is what is your name? What is your quest? What is your favorite color? And then uh, they ask. He says there are some who call me Tim. So that's the name of the show. That's where it comes from. Okay. And uh, and it's about that search for knowledge and what's why humans have religion, why we contemplate God or gods or nature or the universe and, and what that means. And what we've found thus far is that it usually is a construct based on man's fear of, of death. And our special guest today has been contemplating, I mean, we're all contemplating death every day we're alive, probably, but no, we he, should has, be. he has a different uh, different take on it, much closer to the issue right now. Uh, radio personality and a musician, J.D. Buell. Hello. Everybody. Hi, welcome. Well, as I would say at the beginning of my own show, I'd say, hello, hello. Hello, hello. Welcome. Uh, you, uh, you can still listen to the wonderful Morning Train. You can find that in the podcast index of Mutiny Radio in perpetuity. Really great music uh, curated yeah. by musician J.D. Buell. So here mm. we are. Also, let the people know you have stage four the colon, colon cancer. cancer. Yeah. That's where it started, at least. And how long have you been suffering <laughs> from this? I, when was I received my diagnosis in January of 2015. <gasps> it's been a long time. That, no, that seems very short. <laughs> it's only 2017. So That's two and a half years. It's nearly three years of three dealing years. With, with imminent death. <laughs> so you... You were when you were first diagnosed. They diagnosed you with stage four. Mm-hmm. Already, so yeah, it was yeah. just like they went. Yeah, did it you, went from nothing to to you have six months to live. <laughs> were you feeling fine though before? Uh, no, I I had some indications of something going on in my abdomen and some discomfort here and there. I thought I had just put on weight. I, 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 oh. I thought that's why. I thought that's why my stomach hurt all the time. Wow. Uh, or or why my pants felt tight. Things like that. I thought I was just my body was just changing. I didn't realize how drastic the change was. Wow. And was it? But it was it uncomfortable? Like yeah, it was. It was like uncomfortable pain where it was like you were like something's wrong. I need yeah. to go in. Something's wrong uh, was a a vague sense. Uh, there was a a growing discomfort in various parts of my body. I don't remember what caused me to finally have the colonoscopy oh. that that set it up. And when I went in, uh, once the cancer had been discovered. The question was, well, can it be removed? Right. And you can go forward. Or is it truly stage four, done with, can't do anything about it? We can only relieve a few things here and there. So there was a preliminary surgery 
and this was early on. If the diagnosis came in January, this would have been, say, March. Okay. Wow. And so we rolled in, and the, uh, the idea was to get a camera inside, and the camera was going to determine whether my cancer was operable. Right. And it was determined inoperable. So I came out of that experience being told, not only did I, did I have uh, uh, the, the well, not only was the cancer stage four and inoperable, but that I was now headed into chemotherapy. Wow. And that's why I had the colostomy. Did you, did you have a choice on the chemotherapy or was that, they, they said you not have to. Not at that point. You pre, I needed, you I go. needed to do it the first right. time right. to facilitate anything else going on. And the colostomy facilitated the, the, the chemo. So right. those two things went together. I had the colostomy bag for a year. Uh, and that allowed them to go in, get in, get lifted up, and and make that area available to, to chemo. So, do you believe in God? Uh, yeah, I have always had some sense of that. The questions that you were beginning with were very serious to me, and that's why I chose the academic path right. of studying theology and philosophy for many years. I have two degrees in that area, so wow. those are they were legitimate and real questions they weren't just let's talk about it at the bar kind of questions although we did that too wow you how when did you get your theology degrees was this Uh, this this was in the 90s and in early and uh, early 2000s i received my bachelor's degree in philosophy uh, somewhere in the 90s i then went to grad school in christian theology and, and world religions and received my theology degree. So, and I taught world religions after that. So, I'm, wow. I was pretty familiar with many of the world's faith traditions before I even got into the academic study of religion because I had already pursued those paths and those questions. So, have you been praying during this? I have not. I know many friends who are praying for me have prayed actively throughout this and still do on a daily, weekly basis. And I am assured by them often that they are praying for me. I personally don't pray for my situation. Do you, do you meditate? Like, how are you kind of... This is really heavy, and you've yeah. known this now for two, for and, two and, and a half eight, years, yeah. and which is a long time... I mean, kind of. Isn't it a long time? Yeah, that's a long time. I mean, that's like... That's why I was trying to say earlier that it, it may seem like a short time on the calendar, but to be dealing with it as a fact of life, it it... it feels more like more of a burden and so it takes longer it feels heavier it feels like those two and a half years seem like a long time or somebody else might say oh well, you haven't been sick very long it's just a matter of how you carry it huh so but are you do i like are what are, are you taking what kind of drugs are you taking <sighs> do you have do you have rad drugs right now like because uh, the- i have uh gateway uh, opioids that help mask the pain. Mm-hmm. I'm not on heavy drug use, although the drugs I am using now, these are hospice oh. type drugs. I'm in hospice now, so I'm using you know methadone and morphine and things like that that are right. just there to cover the pain and make the days livable. Wow. This is not the same as uh, before one enters into hospice when you're, most of the drugs you're taking are dealing with trying to kill the cancer. Sure, sure. And now there's a turnaround towards just the cancer is going to do what it's going to do. Have you thought about taking DMT or doing any kind of like psychological sort of delving into maybe like acid or ecstasy? Have you ever done that kind of stuff? I did it long ago. ago. um, But during this experience, I haven't. I think my drug use in terms of 
recreational drug use during this cancer has not been a big deal because I'm in discomfort so much right. of the time. If right. I could do anything, I would I would rather dance, you sure. know, than than not. But uh, dancing and such things, you know, bodily movement are defi- have definitely been limited during this period. It's not been a period of liberation, and so I wouldn't think of ecstatic drug use. I wouldn't think of taking acid or uh, or anything that more of a more joy oriented because my body isn't feeling any real joy and probably wouldn't. Right. Uh, you wouldn't get the full benefit out of that lifting up, that freedom. Because every sufferer, especially when you're faced with death, they just want that suffering to be lifted from time to time. And you can sort of feel differently in your body instead of always viewing your body as your enemy. Right. I, do you feel that way, that your body's become like you're fighting? No. Like you're Because you're, we're, we're mind, body, spirit. I mean, we can believe that we're mind, body, spirit. Yeah, and, I think we are. Uh, yeah. And if, and if and as Americans, that we try to detach that anyway. So we're trying to remove, you know, ourselves from our body. It's, you know, we're all on our phones or we're paying attention mm-hmm. to something else. We're not inside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And you're, I mean, how how is that like being? Do you feel like your body is an enemy, and do you try to like well, disengage from it, or not, not actively? I'm not angry with my body, if, you know, in that sense. My body isn't the enemy in that it is something I wake up every day and start hating. Uh, you know, I I'm not. I'm not set. I don't have any of those kinds of dichotomies set up in my life. I've mm-hmm. been very careful not to set up uh, the the anger issues or the why me issues or Did, the why really? am I suffering or shaking my fist at God or any of that kind of crap. I just haven't gotten into it. It really, really? doesn't do but, anything. So the self pity, you, uh, not. I mean, it's like you you get. To, I would. Don't you? I mean, do you cry sometimes? Do you ever freak out and just be like, you never, you haven't had one of those moments where you you, you haven't had that why me moment just because it's just not productive for you or? Yeah, it's not productive. It was never attractive. I wasn't uh, uh, compelled to have a why me moment. In fact, at the time that I received the, the news the very first time, when I was first informed that you do have cancer and you will die unless we do something right away. I mean, I just took a very practical attitude to the whole thing, and I was not, I didn't drop to my knees and start screaming and hollering, and I just thought, well, okay, here we go. Wow. I'm just, I'm, I'm amazed. It's just, but, that, it was, but it's your personality before. Yeah, a lot of it's just back, who, who you, you who are you at are. the time that this happens to you in life, Pam. That's a very good point. Who you are matters so very much when you're hit with this kind of news. And other people, you know, with different experiences and different attitudes, different personalities, they would have responded in ways that I might have found repulsive, you know? I mean, I handled it the way I handled it, and I felt the best thing to do was to be uh, frank and be clear-headed and be accepting. I really didn't feel any need to entertain my friends with my self, self-loathing or my, my self-pity with either one. You know, right. I didn't, it wasn't the, it wasn't showtime. And I think so often in this country, disease is thought of as showtime. Wow. Like you were saying before, oh, it's my time now. Now the world pays attention to me. Now I'm the center of attention. I'm the, mo- I'm the most needy person in the room. I'm the one that gets all the sympathy now. I'm the hero in, in the family because I'm the one who's dying and everybody has to pay attention to me. You've seen that family thing sure. play out. Thankfully, I don't have that kind of thing in my family, and I was never tempted to use this as a, a way of self-gain. Right. Are you, are you scared? Uh-huh. Um, 
No, I wouldn't say I'm scared of, uh, if you're asking, am I scared of death? Am yeah. I afraid to die? No, I have no fear of, of dying. What do you, so no, as a, as a philosopher and as a, as a trained theologian, what do you think is after? What, what's, is it? Nothing. Nothing. So, I mean, so our spirit, once our body goes, our spirit or our energy or whatever is that makes us ourselves is that just well, you're already you're already speaking in parts and holes ma'am you're already saying these parts that make us our whole self and then you like that these are presumptions that that don't always fuel the the conversation you know i, I don't think in terms of parts and holes and if i did if if, if i was more concerned about that I think it would mess with the way I think about everything else because I don't think in terms of parts and holes. Oh, this this part of me lives on while this part of me dies. People speak right. that way a lot, sure. especially non-religious sure. people. You know, and it's not just it's not just the the religious folks who have trouble with their language. It is the non-religious folks who don't like the religious folks who have equal problems with their language. They're no more clear and better off than in, than the people that they criticize. Right. So when they talk about you know some part of I I just I just have this this belief that part of me will live on part of you what does it mean to be part of you right where does that even come from that there's parts and could you identify these parts and why would you speak of yourself as as a as being parts of, that make up a whole when you can't say what the parts are and you don't know what the whole is and you really don't know what you're talking about so yeah. why are you afraid of something that you can't even put into words right yeah but that's the thing is that like we've created so many religions and rituals and and it's about this uh, it seems to me that it's about this what happens what it when we pass when because we're i mean in, in the circle everything grows everything dies then it grows again but it's not the same and on that circle but we as humans say well now if i follow these rules and guidelines i'm gonna go to this miraculous heaven place like what the concept of heaven exists or, or heaven or paradise or depending on what religion you're from so if all of over time people have built these texts and the guidebooks talking about this after do you not think there's an after? It's just, no, it's just a nothing. I don't. I don't know that. It, it, certainly, all the books that you mentioned, if we laid five of them or ten of them across this tabletop, all ten of them would have some different idea of what after sure. is. And if you can't decide on what after is, and if it's supposed to, be, especially if this after, this particular after, which is some state of consciousness after death, which is what you're really talking about, which is itself bizarre. <laughs> the whole that that whole idea that even in death we are not done i hate that oh. i just i just think that is wrong headed when we let allow ourselves to think life human life my particular personal human life is so important to the universe <laughs> that the universe will not let me go i am so important that even after my body this part of me has died right. this other part right. of me will live on because sure. it's it's narcissism pam it's uh, not yeah, fear it's, it's, narcissism. it's narcissism my <gasps> life is so important that the universe what, who, what do people you're mean blowing my mind right now JD. what do people mean when they say the universe 
you don't even know what you mean when you say the universe. Nobody knows right. what they mean when they say that. It's just a nicer way of non-religious people to talk about God without talking about God. And they think a nicer word is the universe. As, sure. if, the, as if the universe is a personal noun that gives a shit about them. Right. And I, I can't find that in any I can't find that in any of these 10 books on the table here that there is some agreed upon understanding of what this after is and it's particularly troubling in these in these situations because this after is supposed to be an after that is available to all human beings every single human being <laughs> and if you are trying to define to me the greatest reality of all time would be this after that somehow makes every single human being exactly in the in the same place the right place where all human beings go then you lose the religious quantity or quality right, quality right. i'm yeah. sorry the religious quality of the of the marker because it's no longer a religious marker it is it is indeed something that happens to all living creatures mm -hmm. and you can't describe it it's insane to to try to describe it so although we can say all living beings break down physically mm -hmm. we can say all living things return to some kind of basic organic material. We have seen all these things happen. And then they tack on the last one that says all human beings have a soul that lives that, that lives on. Lives on where? What? How? What? It makes no sense. But people, they, 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 they cling to it anyway. Yeah. I, I, you're blowing my mind with the narcissism thing that, that it's, that we think that, like I'm such a fucking special little snowflake mm -hmm. that... Uh, I, I had a friend come on the show and he said that like to the to the world to the earth you know like a, a colony of bees dying is just as bad as 9-11 oh absolutely like that and, yeah, these, and that the, we think we're so special mm. but to the to the world we're just a part in the world and yet we've somehow but then that isn't that what is what is so different about man or woman or humans that we concoct these stories and these fictions like you don't your cat doesn't sit around like you know pat, pat, looking through a magazine and planning vacation they're a cat they like mm -hmm. <laughs> but what is it about well, people that we long long ago in the history of humankind when human beings were happily identified with their rationality Back in the back in the centuries, when human beings believed that it was actually something rather special and important to be able to think, huh. uh, that we were that we we humans have the capacity for reason and using reason, that we actually wanted to know things. Uh, we were a curious bunch. We were we were people who wanted to understand what went on around us and the phenomena around us lended itself to storytelling, and we've all known that. So stories get told because when we don't know something, we make up a story to to go with it. And sometimes it's a good story and sometimes it's a bad story, but we generally leap to conclusions, all of us. If your boyfriend isn't home and it's 1 a.m. and he was supposed to be home at 11, then, he, then either he's either dead in a car crash, <laughs> right? right? Seeing another woman, right. uh, drunk in an alley somewhere and you have to go save him. Uh, the, the, the list of tragedies, sure, right? Because sure. you have to tell a story to fill the void. Right. Why, what other reason could there possibly be that he's not where he's supposed to be? So the stories are rather up to us. We could choose a different story that pops up and says, you know, he probably went home with his friend and he's going to call me in the morning and say, sorry, babe. Right, but right. since that's boring and predictable and we know that that's what happened, we know he went home with his friend and we know he's going to call in the morning and say, sorry, babe. Instead, we leap 
to bigger stories that are more exciting and fantastic and, and involving for us and make life dramatic and, and thrilling, which is what we all believe our lives should be. Isn't that weird? So, but you're... you're are you, is your life not thrilling and dramatic right now? I don't think you? life ne- is. I don't think life is supposed to be thrilling and dramatic. And when, as as a teacher of middle school students for so many years, the mess, the hardest message to get across to eighth graders is that you're not unique. The hardest message to get across to eighth graders is that life is not supposed to be fun and easy. And I know that up to this point, your life has been fun and easy and everyone around you has given you the, the erroneous message that life is supposed to be fun and easy. And if it isn't fun and easy, then something's wrong and somebody's going to pay for it. Wow. But that isn't true. Life isn't supposed to be fun and easy. We're not all supposed to be celebrities. We're not all superstars. And we are not all supposed to be the, you know, the our, uh, points of interest for somebody else to like or tweet or whatever. Huh. But y- you yourself have been a your public interest. You I have, have a, many I have albums. A public persona, and, yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know what? What is what drove you to seek the spotlight and to be unique? I find you a, an incredibly unique individual. Well, there's no such thing as a unique individual. <laughs> Human beings are simply different, Pam. We're different from each other. None of us are unique. Unique unique is something that one becomes. One Whoa. becomes unique. Some people make it and some people don't. Some some human beings live their entire life and they are they never reach uniqueness. It's not something that everyone reaches, but they are different. You're different from me and I'm different from you and we're all gloriously different. But again, it's that narcissism. For most human beings, being different isn't good enough. I can't just be different. I have right. to be unique. I have to be special. I have to be the one. Right. I am unique from you, and, every, and everything about me is different from you and unique from you. And I have to tell these students, you know, it's not unique that your best friend wears Vans and you wear Converse. That's not what makes you unique. <laughs> right. Those are That's just... what makes you different from each other. Right. And so, you know, Pam, human beings are never satisfied with being different. That's not good enough. You have to go, everything has to be bumped up. Well, it's the entitlement that we feel. It's that narcissism. It, it leads us, we lead ourselves to believe that we're so important that our needs take precedent over other people's needs or yeah. our needs should be met in a certain way or that, you know, like my need for stage time needs to be or whatever mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. that people but it's that you somehow deserve that you had asked originally what is it that brought out that public persona in the first place yeah. or why would I even pursue that I was speaking with someone else earlier this week about the idea of stardom and having a career in music why would somebody want a career in music and I was trying to describe that for me, the goal, say in 1978, when I was just getting started, when I was doing punk rock and moving into uh, other areas, the, the goal was never stardom. The goal was never to be a celebrity. The goal was never to be a, a, a celebrated, iconic sort of person. The goal was just, I want to do what I'm good at. Ah! 
And having found something I was good at, I simply wanted to be allowed to do that. No entitlement. No entitlement involved. Just allowance. I simply want to be allowed to do what I do well. Right. I don't want to have to deal with having three day jobs. I don't want to have to deal with doing this or that or the other thing if what I'm good at is this. If I'm not sure. I'm moving. We all try to move our lives towards doing what we do that we're good at. For some people, that's, in a, that's, that's public. For some people, that's private. Wow. So... You're, and you're not afraid of the nothingness. But uh-uh. you're going to leave. Have you been working to leave? So that's the thing about humans is we leave a part of ourselves. But like a legacy. But you, you have left. You have your you have your podcasts that are going to stay. You have your, your albums that you've produced. Mm-hmm. You have. You, you have. So, okay. I like to justify this whole after death thing, as I always say. Well, when people who are still around remember you, then you're still alive because you're you're still being celebrated like anytime anybody listens to a morning train it's almost like you're still it's you're still alive because you're, you're there's something of you that still exists here and a lot of people do that with children you have children you have a yeah, daughter right yeah so i mean th- i think the reason that i personally fear the nothingness is that i don't i don't have kids or i think a lot of people were like you know they want to have babies because then the children remember them. It's like they keep living on even if they don't sort of Well, I, again, the, the language gets confused. I, and I'm very, very sensitive to the way people misuse language because it tends to kill most conversations and make them far less interesting than they could be because people don't think about what their words mean. So what, two things that get conflated that you just, that you just conflated is, is, is immortality as an as as a, a subject a possible subject for human beings it's a subject we can talk about and immortality is maybe a possibility for human beings but that's not the definition of immortality immortality is a living thing that goes on living right. that's simply what it is are human beings capable of that no so anytime we use the word immortality we're using it metaphorically the way you were. Well, it's a it's a kind of immortality if we're remembered in our. No, it's not. That's not what it is. Why was it when you began speaking that you said when you are you know when your when your friend remembers you it's like you're still alive? No, it's a friend remembering me. Again, why isn't that good enough? Why isn't it good enough that a friend remembers? Again, it's that same bump up. Everything has to be bumped up. It's not good enough to be different. We have to be bumped up to uniqueness. And again, it's not the same. It's not good enough to just be remembered by a friend who loves you. We actually have to take that remembrance and convolute the whole ridiculous thing by saying it's kind of a way of still being alive. No, your friend is still alive and your friend is remembering you. That's what's happening in that moment. Why can't that be good enough? Well, but thought when you if thought is real right so if i think about a chair that chair exists in my head right so that's real so you could almost think of it like almost metaphysically that when people when you're in someone else's head and they're remembering you it's that's a thought and the thought is real and so you're still there no no it doesn't it it those those statements don't necess, necess, necessitate each other. One doesn't cause the other. One doesn't lead naturally to the other. To be remembering a chair 
that I used to sit in long ago when I was a little boy and I had my little my little chair in front of the television. I can close my eyes real hard and I can remember the little Jeffy chair in which I sat watching television. But the Jeffy chair doesn't exist. But it's a memory and here I am remembering the Jeffy chair. And that's all that's happening in that moment. The chair isn't out there in the universe waiting to be remembered. The chair isn't floating out there in the ether saying, remember me, think about me, I'm a special, I'm important, I'm your little Jeffy chair, don't forget about me. That's wow. not happening. Yeah. It's 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 okay to just remember someone you love without saying and therefore that's sort of like still being alive. No, you're either alive or you're dead. You're not sort of one or the other. Wow. And so when you remember your loved ones who have passed, remember them and and feel joy that you knew them and be happy for them. But you're not doing them a favor by spreading around their supposed immortality by thinking about them. Wow. So you don't believe in ghosts? None of that stuff. None of that. The the whole spirit separated from the body. That's just, it doesn't make sense. Well, you'd have to show me a body and show me a spirit and show me they're separate. I mean, I've been dealing with this reading philosophers all my life. And I imagine those who have read read and studied and taught philosophy to far greater degrees than have I have wrestled with the same questions I I, I, I see no reason to, to keep belaboring them if we can't even define our terms sure I thought but see I think I've seen ghosts before Maybe, but that's not what we're here to talk about. No, is I know. Go- but ghosts exist, but and there is well, lots of the there's lots of energy out there that takes bizarre forms right. and, and surprising forms. But how does that lead us back to a fear of the nothingness? Why is nothingness to be feared? It's nothing. Right. I know. It's just, it's the narcissism. It's just so scary to try to conceptualize not being around. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, like. Well, Uh, I think the way it plays out is all of us are accepting of death on a daily, minute-to-minute basis. Death happens constantly. It's happening all the time. This morning it happened when we got up, and it happened this afternoon, and it'll go on all around us. We accept that. Death's no big deal. We Look at the paper. Oh, another 27 people killed in this city. Oh, another person shot by a cop. Oh, another person beat up by her boyfriend. Oh, you read all this stuff. And you say, yeah, that's, that's the world I live in. These, these people were alive this morning, and now they're not. And and I don't know what's what makes it so much more different when somebody has to contemplate their own death. Oh, that could be me. I could be the one who got beat up in the alley. I could be the one of the, who was blown up in the marketplace with 26 other people. I could be the one who was pulled over by a cop and shot while I was, while I was sitting in my car. Why is that somehow more tragic, more terrible? Because it's me. Right. That's why. So when you look at, we walk out of here and we look at the newspaper and we see how many people died today. At least it wasn't me. Right. You know? And so, but if it was me, then it would be serious. Death is a really serious thing to be feared if you're talking about my death. Everybody else's, eh, it happens. Wow. You know? So how old are you? I'm just curious. I'm uh, about to turn 59 if I oh, make it to October. Wow. Wow. <laughs> if I don't make it to October, I'm officially still 58 years old, I guess. Do you... Do you do you have a bucket list? Do you have anything that you that you're trying to accomplish before? Yeah, I got to, to do a music radio show. That, that, yay! I got to, I got to do two years of a radio show that made, made me very happy, and it was exactly what I was good at and oh, wanted awesome. to do. It yay. did not it did not bestow me with any immortality. It just gave me a chance to do something I was good at. Nice. But do you was there besides the radio show? Was is there a list? Are you like? Is, uh, well, are you like? 
trying to because I mean yes I got started a little late however and I did once I made the decision not to return to chemotherapy a second time but to let the the cancer play out it wouldn't have been very effective to do that anyway but once I'd made the choice to not return to chemo then I started making plans to do some of the bucket list things I wanted to do and that was all too late I should have done it all last year oh. so I, I planned and paid for a trip to Cuba which I had to cancel oh no because I can no longer do it I can't make some of the other trips I've, I've canceled a few other trips I've canceled. Is I didn't go to concerts I bought tickets for. I didn't go see X just the other night. I had tickets for the Burger Boogaloo. I didn't do these things because I can't do them now. Is it is it just physically getting around is too difficult? Well, or? and yeah, and once I'm anywhere, I'm dis, I'm uncomfortable anywhere. Oh. So it's it's like a, yeah, I could have got down to the concert, but I would have stood around, you know, with my belly aching the whole right. time. That wouldn't have been any fun. Right. And then traveling, it's just... Travel is just, really hard. You can't fly. Being on an Plane, airplane Planes would be are awful. hard. I have a plane trip coming up this month to see my family in in, in uh, Chicagoland. And I'm not looking forward to that flight. Plane flights are really hard. Especially when you've lost as much weight. I'm just, I'm sticking bones yeah. now. I'm st- yeah. There's like nothing to sit on, you know. I'm just, wa- I'm just a, I'm just a tailbone walking around waiting to be, you know, uh, sat upon. There's no way, there's no comfort there. Yeah. Lots and lots of Valium. Uh, well, whatever they whatever they pass my way, I'm sure I'll give it a try. Yeah. So visiting the family. Yeah. And but I mean, man, if I knew I had like a month left, I'd be like, I mean, I'd probably be like heroin. <laughs> I want. I've always wanted. Actually, I don't like opiates. But um, yeah. is that is? Have you had any feelings of like depression, or are you just dealing with this really yeah, well? Well, you seem to be dealing with it really well. You know, there's you know, depression comes with it. I think from in my case the depression has been mostly tied to finding the uh, running up against these physical limitations. Right, right, right. Finding things I cannot do, finding that the discomfort never really goes away. It's just it's just uh, uh, pampered from time to time. Right. It, it's but it never goes away. I mean, I could put a heating pad on the 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 sore areas in my back, you know, lay down with this heating pad for 20 minutes and as soon as I get up after those 20 minutes everything's going to be exactly the same. Whoa. But for for those 20 minutes, I might have been comforted, but there's, but there's no longer a cure. There's no longer a change to look forward to. So depression often comes with those kinds of realizations of just what I'm dealing with is what I'm dealing with. It's not going to get better. And so you lose a little bit of that. Oh, if I just do this for a little while, then it'll improve my situation. No, it doesn't. Right. Yeah. So it's, a, I mean, that's, it's, it's. When did you have you? You don't seem like you've given into the hopelessness. <laughs> like you're being pretty cool about it, actually. I think I've been pretty cool for the last two and a half years. Yeah. See, because and, and I think I don't know if it's that you negated this narcissistic quality. I mean, I would be like, I I just don't know how I deal with it. I don't know what would. I'd probably be that poor me person, and I'd be like, oh yeah. I'd be like, oh no, now make me a famous comedian because I'm gonna yeah, die. Yeah, there was there was no sense of wanting to get famous really fast or make some things happen while I was here to enjoy them. Um, when I put out my most recent CD, "Some Are Still Not Free," I had thought that would be my my last release. That was released in January. And I was lucky enough to get enough recordings together to do a new release, which will come out later this month. Cool. So, but there wasn't a sense of gotta work, gotta work, gotta work, gotta put out another album, gotta make another statement, gotta write another song, gotta, gotta, you know, there was, there wasn't so much that 
uh, as a means to fighting depression or a means to establishing myself in the world. See, look, I'm so capable still of this and I can do this. I, I know I'm capable and I... I was very proud of Morning Train and proud of being interactive in the world. I was a voice that people could listen to each week and that they knew that that person was going to bring them good music and comfort and companionship. I was proud and happy to, to provide that. Yeah. I've also been happy to make my own music for the world and provide that for the world. But I didn't feel a, a sen- an accelerated sense of making my, my presence uh, known to the world. Right. I'm just trying to to wrap my brain and like put my em, empathetically if I put myself in your situation and it's just it's very hard for me to I just don't think I'd be as like mm. chill as you is it because you've studied all the religions and the philosophies and you have this knowledge this background mm. is that why you're just kind of chill about all this it it could be that my own background and my own work up to the, uh, through the the previous years surprised that lent something to that yeah i mean i was in an, i was in an area of an acceptance um being told you're dying from cancer first of all is not only unique it's, it's not unique it's not remarkable either i mean my first you know my first you know i mean how does one respond to that it's not like it's never happened before people treat themselves like they're little pampered babies that have never been through anything and the whole world is supposed to moan and groan over them as if oh poor jeffy you know nobody's ever had cancer before no, it's complete bollocks. People, millions of people suffer far, far greater cancer th- than I suffer right now. Their, their, their concerns every day are far more painful than mine. And there was no sense of it being remarkable at all. You get a phone call, we checked you out, you got cancer, you say, well, sure, of course I do. I mean, why wouldn't I? In wow. this world, why wouldn't I? Am I somehow somehow going to, you know, I'm lucky or I've been blessed or I've been or I've experienced grace and I'm somehow lifted out of the rest of the human race. The rest of them will suffer with cancer, but not I because I'm so special, you see. The universe cannot deal, cannot deal with my loss. The universe itself will cry out in agony should I be lost. I mean, people wow. think People think crazy stuff. Wow. So, do you have any idea why, where the cancer came from? Was it from like oh, eating, no, or I was don't. it? You don't have Who any knows? idea. Who knows? It just came. Far, far too many. I'm, I'm sure I didn't get a colonoscopy years before when I should have, and so it really—it's my own fault. I'm sure for just not uh, getting the, the the checkups made that needed to be made, and not getting the the the, the invasive. Uh, uh, appointments made that needed to be made and I could have had it checked out I might have been able to avoid this fate had my cancer been discovered earlier wow. but, the, who, but who would that be up to that would be up to me so why am I going to go shake my fist at God when the real problem was I didn't get a colonoscopy after after 50 the way I should have wow. whose fault is that that's mine so why would I suddenly think that the universe needs to turn on the fact that now due to my own choices or lackadaisical loss of choices that now I'm dying because I didn't get something done Nobody wants to deal with that. Nobody wants to take responsibility. They're not going to say, "Oh, I got cancer because I didn't bother to go to the doctor and do what I would do what every billboard has told me I'm supposed to do <laughs> since I turned 50." Right. Nobody wants to take responsibility for that. So they want to shake their fists and say that the the, the, the rot, dirty, rotten, polluted world gave them cancer and big pharma gave them cancer and Donald Trump gave them cancer <laughs> and 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 it's all somebody else's fault. Right. Well, I've never been in a position where I can blithely even fool myself into thinking that everything is somebody else's fault. I know most of the things that have happened in my life are my own fault. So this would be also. Therefore, suck it up and take it. Did you did you eat crappy food? Like I'm just I'm just curious. I don't know. Like I, I, you were you're a pretty healthy guy. I, and I thought so. Yeah. I thought I've and I, I exercised a great deal over the years. I was very active. I rode my bike a lot and I ran and weightlifted and 
I was always happy uh, uh, exercising and being physical, and I was doing it because I enjoyed it. It was part of my personality, not because I got to live, I got to live, I got to stay alive, got to even. Right. People are driven to stay alive, and you ask them why they want to stay alive, and they haven't a clue. Right. Well, I'm asking. A lot of people will say they live for their kids, but then they don't spend that much time with their kids. Or they'll say, I mean, what is. But do you feel like you fulfilled your purpose? You've made your now, music. You've now you've gone into yet another problematic what area purpose? that you having didn't define a either. Yeah, see, that, that's a whole other show. But having a uh, having a purpose. See, but that's having the thing. I think a lot of people would, if you believe in having a purpose, it's like it's almost like combined with that sort of God religious kind of thing. Only, only if you define your terms. I need you to define your term of what a purpose is and where it comes from. Do you mean, did I establish a purpose for my life and did I reach that goal or did I disappoint myself? If you're, Or did I was, was there a purpose for my life, maybe unbeknownst to me, that I was supposed to fulfill? You have to you have to yeah I don't I don't believe in that external one I believe in that you kind of create your own purpose and it's it but it stems from that knowing what you want and knowing why you want to live that's I think what someone's purpose would be that goes back to the desire to do what I'm good at right that's the only that's where purpose comes from oh I found two or three things over the years that I'm good at maybe it's working with kids maybe it's being a softball coach maybe it's being a radio personality but you know you just want to do what you're good at and then that's what keeps you going every day so the things that are valuable to you are the things that that enable your doing what you do best sure see I always come up to the the my question with myself is like what I think that I'm really good at what if I'm not really good at it do you know what I mean like because I've seen it before I've I've run open mics and I've seen tone deaf people that are trying to sing and they really want that is their purpose mm-hmm. they want mm-hmm. to sing they want to mm-hmm. entertain mm-hmm. and everyone's been telling them they're good and then I'm like you're tone deaf mm-hmm. but that's the fear I have with like stand-up comedy say right. is that it's something that I love doing and I mm-hmm. want to continue doing it but then I wonder what if I really suck at it and no mm-hmm. one's telling me mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's that narcissism thing right of yeah. like thinking that you're really good well, at something but if you enjoy doing it it doesn't matter if you're good at it or not right you because you enjoy doing it what is required then what is required of you then that you be tuned in enough to who you are and what you do that you understand that you may not be as good as you think you are what does that take that seems to be a personality trait that some people don't possess hmm. so if you're going to be humble enough and wise enough to understand uh, that you're not always as good at things as you would like to be, and there is a, there is indeed a strong possibility that you suck at what you do, and nobody's <laughs> telling you. That we accept those things right. because we see around us the, a world full of buffoons who don't know how to be honest with themselves and don't know how to be honest with others. Therefore, it's not that huge a leap to say to ourselves, maybe I'm one of the buffoons. Right. See, that's all right. I think all the time is, oh my God, what if I'm just? What if everything I'm doing is actually just a delusion? But see, you seem to have like, I guess it's that inner purpose thing or your faith in yourself. Like you, you, you do, you've done what has made you happy, the things that you want to do. And therefore that's all it is, mm-hmm. but it, that's what it is. But that's great because it's, 
what you wanted to do at the time. Well, I don't know what else there would have been. I mean, there's mm-hmm. lots of things that didn't get done, and there are lots of disappointments. I could focus on that. I could say, well, here's everything I wanted to do and didn't do. Well, that's one conversation. Or here's right. everything I wanted to do and did do, and you could look at it that way. Do you, do, you, do you have any regrets? Is that a terrible question to ask? No, no, it's a very good question to ask. In fact, it was here on Mutiny Radio that... I coined my famous phrase, never trust anyone who says they don't have any regrets. Ah. And I said that the night, the day that I was on here when we were talking about all the, all the whoop-dee-doo over the death of Lemmy. Oh, uh uh-huh. and, and how Lemmy, he was being praised in one of the magazines for having said, I have no regrets. And I said, I would never trust a person who says they have no regrets. Yeah. Because to me, that's a, that's a flashing light that says... I never think about the effects of my actions on other people. Wow. That's what that says to me. Somebody sure. meets, if I meet somebody and they say, ha, regrets, I've got no regrets, fuck that shit, then I'd say, then I am not hanging out with you. Wow. Because, because they don't have that tells empathy. Me, yeah, yeah that tells people. me you have no empathy. It tells me you don't think about anything other than what you want to do. And if you did it, then you don't regret it. But you don't think about your effects on other people. All of us should have enormous regrets. We should have enormous regret from the beginning of the day to the end of the day wow. because of all the stupid things we do to other people, whether it be encroaching upon them in traffic or whether it be not get, not not dealing with them as human beings, whether it be be ignoring what we see around us, we should feel regret for every day that we live. Wow. But instead, the goal seems to be the opposite. The goal is to have no fear, no regret, no, 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 no thought for others. Right, the YOLO thing. This is, here, this is a scary thing. This is, uh, and everyone's saying, it was from a couple weeks ago, they said it was so tragic. It was a YOLO moment. There was a girl, she was like 24, and she was at a dam with a bunch of friends and they dared her to jump off the dam and she did and she died and it was like one of those they dared her and it was a YOLO moment and I was like and they all said that after like well she was like she even yelled YOLO and then she died and I was like that's crazy to me Mm. Um, anyways I don't know what that was non sequitur just thinking about death Mm. so uh, do you want to share any regrets do you have any well, there there are large ones and small ones, and I think it's I don't know if it's I don't know if it's constructive to get into any of those differentiations. But the idea it's more the idea of regret that I was sure, 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 sure. speaking of there that yeah. I think is important. As to my specific regrets, that they're not going to serve any purpose to talk about here. Right. Uh, well, I I really enjoy that we should have we should have regrets all day long because yeah, we really that's I mean we people do treat each other horribly. You know, going back to self-awareness, you know, the one of the one of the gifts that Morning Train gave me every week was the reminder that I'm not good uh. at what I'm doing. And when one strives for competence, a level of competence that makes everybody comfortable, makes the listener comfortable, makes me comfortable, that is a striving. That's something we work towards right. every day. And my goal every Friday was to try to do a better show than the one I had done before. And you know the kinds of mistakes I've made on here. I've done every darn stupid thing there is to do in this studio that go wrong. I pulled down the wrong volume pot. I've, 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 <laughs> plug, I've unplugged things. I plugged things I've done anything and I leave uh, I'll leave of a Friday and say well that wasn't a great one but there's always next week yeah if if I'm aware enough to admit that I don't do perfectly well everything I do unlike personalities such as that of our president then (laughs) then then 
those kinds of personalities lend themselves to better acceptance of the world around them. Yeah. If I can accept that that mistake that happened, that 50 seconds of dead air today, that was my fault. If I can say, that was my fault, I did that, instead of blame the stupid equipment down there, mutiny radio, everything's always messed up down there. It is, though. It is. But, but we, but we know, but, but we know that. We know right. that. So it's just, a, you know, what does it take? I think is the bigger question that you're asking. What does it take to develop a personality that allows you to be accepting of chaos, allows you to be accepting of loss, of in, of in, in, in of ineptitude in some mm-hmm. situations? You're gonna, you're not, you're, you're not gonna rise to the occasion every time. You're not gonna be good every time. You're gonna suck sometimes. Yeah. What is it that takes the development of that personality? And then, as you say later when a big life issue like cancer comes up sure. you have a you have a personality in place that says eh, of course i have cancer why wouldn't i you know in this world why wouldn't i sure it's just like and, and we've all we've all seen that with trump none of us ever anymore can be less can be that can have the same attitudes we had before because you know the the, the fact that the united states of america elected in president isn't the tragedy the tragedy is us thinking that it couldn't happen right exactly. instead of being smart enough to realize it could happen it, it right. likely will happen you know it, people just don't live i think very honestly i don't think they live very honestly and if they did a lot would change yeah that's that's it's actually it's a really great point is that we we where we're living right now we're not just dishonest with ourselves we're completely blinded by mm. the the lies that we're being told and we're being mm-hmm. fed. Mm-hmm. I even feel like they don't even see us as people anymore. We're kind of like cattle that consume. Mm-hmm. We're like little dollar bill eaters or whatever. Yeah. We spend our money and we, we don't have any value as people. We only have value as consumers. Well, you know, when you point. when you center a program like this on, on some large questions of faith and, and, and belief and what do we, what do we, perceive becomes a part of that too you're asking what do you perceive around you and and then beyond perception the question becomes what do you what do you imagine beyond perception sure you know and i think what we imagine comes out of what we're able to accept sure and if we can accept ourselves as flawed individuals, then we're going to accept others as flawed and imperfect individuals, and we might be a great deal more empathetic towards their their particular circumstances than constantly focused on our own. Uh, it almost seems like sin is a concept that was created for us, maybe originally, to try to have empathy for one another, but it had turned into a judgment thing. Because Sin is, um, sin is making mistakes and then owning up to them. I mean, it's not a terrible religious precept that no. I am flawed, there's sin, I do bad things, and recognizing that. Mm-hmm. But then somehow in religion, it gets convoluted and it turns into this sort of judgment well, type of, you know, uh, back, back to our desire to know, when I was speaking earlier, mankind, when it, was, it used to be defined by its desire to know stuff. Yeah. Human, human beings wanted to know things. That's what made them different. Nowadays, they don't want to know anything. <laughs> and so they're not very different. You're right. They're little pieces of dollar bill eating cattle. They, 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 there's not very many people who want to know things. And um, when, when you have a desire for knowledge, then you can ask the questions, Where, what else would sin help understand? 
help us understand? What other reasons might a concept like that arise that would help us understand? So sin means means missing the mark, as you say. I'm imperfect. I do things wrong. I miss I miss the mark. Mm-hmm. There is a goal that I'm shooting for, and you could leave it on that personal level. There's a goal of personal responsibility. There's a goal of activity and, 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 and behavior that I want to claim. There, there's a kind of person I want to be, and, and I'm striving to be that, and I don't always reach that goal. Sin, is, as a concept, helps it makes us wrestle with the, uh, the narcissistic idea of, now, is all of that true simply because I am imperfect? Or is all of that true because I once was perfect, and then I wasn't, and then I am again, and then this particular faith can make me perfect, and then this might be perfect, and then this goes on? It becomes a different question. Well, why aren't I perfect? And where did that come from? And how did that happen? And I should be. And there's, there's a reason why I should be different. And none of those things are very helpful. We, 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 want, we want to believe things that, that should feel real to us, not because they, not because they soothe our pain, huh. but because they are real whether you like it or not. Huh. And real action ethics real real thoughtful ethics in the world comes from understanding you know what did i just say about about uh, that what you that what you do comes out of uh, out of a sense of who you are sure right that i mean <clears throat> and then and then but if we're all i i don't believe in this perfection thing but that's one of the things in the bible that bothers me is that Adam and Eve were perfect, and then women did something. Then woman did something wrong, and now there's sin exists because right. now we're now we're uniquely flawed because we didn't listen once. Right. So you go to and the now, bigger question, right? That's a story to help us understand some other phenomenon that we that that that, that we can't get an answer for, which is that we're going to be mean to each other and be dicks, and we can't figure out why, or that there's. A reason for why we are dicks towards each other, and that and and, and that we are justified. Yeah, you're see, you're seeking either to justify those actions or to say those actions are inevitable and and in, unavoidable. Sure. But and flip, flip, flipping a new thing. Do you, do you believe in aliens? Just curious. Do I what? Believe in aliens? No. No. But that's the thing is, if we're, it, it's almost like that negates the thing about us being. We're all different. We're not unique, but the universe is so big. You yeah, think we're the only planet. The very, That's it? the very con, the very concept of alien, as it is, as it is uh, wrapped up in that statement, is a human statement about something that's not human. We don't even know what an alien is. Uh. You, to even use that word conjures up news of the world, and, and, sure. and, and it means nothing to us. It's like the you know these fabricated pictures on the cover of a weekly. So magazine. let me let me re let me re reform my question: Is Earth the only planet with life? How how would I know that? Well, I'm just asking if you believe it or not. So it's so not something you... I should believe or disbelieve. I can't know it. Okay. Therefore, it's not to be believed or disbelieved. Why would I? Why would? Why ask me? Why would I know? Because I. I th- why would I know if the, Why would I know if the Earth is the only planet inhabited by human life? I'm. I'm just wondering if you have like weird existential beliefs I'm, about other. You're pretty not, solid. It's it, you've 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 done yeah. the book learning and you've done the thought. You've got the critical thought in place, and therefore. 
What else do I need? That there you go. Yeah. <laughs> why, why would I spend any time fantasizing about whether there's life on other planets? Okay. I, I can't. Nobody. Nobody can even figure out life on this planet. That's we, and, very true. And we have yet to serve to, to convince ourselves that it has any purpose. And we have yet to convince ourselves that it has any reason for being beyond what we each experience and then share with each other as our experience. We can't even. We can't even figure that out. Why would right. I worry about the planet circling these other suns out there? Sure. Cool. Keep it. A, I mean, it's like, well, no, it's like it, it, you make a good point. Why? I, I fantasize about all kinds of weird things. I believe mm-hmm. you. Know, I'm writing a my 11 year old friend this summer wants to write a religion about cats. She says she's the messenger. Okay. Her catness. Good. Katniss. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. let's do it. Let's sure. you know, let's okay. make a, let's make up a religion. Why not? But mm-hmm. that's because I'm a I'm a weird fictional dreamer type of person, uh-huh. and I just mm-hmm. if real things scare me, like. Uh-huh. You know, cancer. It's very scary. Oh. Uh, I guess it's unreal things that scare me. Huh. Because by by their nature, they're unreal and therefore not the same for all of us. Not they, they, and there and that follows that we can't control them. We can't have any sort of relationship with them. And really, they're kind of made up. Right. 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 It's like it's like when I watch. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. every week. It's like turning it off on Tuesday night and thinking that, Sh- that S.H.I.E.L.D. really exists. Right, 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 right. I know but that the, S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist, but I sure enjoy watching it once a week. Sure, okay. Uh, I had a question and it flew out of my head. Dang I'm sorry. It. No, it's okay. I gotta catch it. But. Um, well, we're, we're, we're wrapping it up. Oh. You're a realist. I guess so. You are. If we've discovered anything today, we've discovered that I'm a realist. Yeah, if it's real, you believe in it. And it's, and you're, I mean, you've, you've really changed my mind about a lot of things. I, I, I'm, I'm really open to this concept of, of narcissism being the reason why we, uh, this, I got to get off this whole poor me thing. I, I get very like. Yeah, get off of that. Yeah. I think the other, I think the, uh, the, the broader point that I've been trying to make that is important to this program and to others is to, is to pay attention to your language. Yeah. I really, really want people to pay far closer attention to their language and their use of it because the, the, the level of discourse in this nation is, is, is piss poor. Yeah, absolutely. And that happens amongst everyone it's not just those stupid republican people it's not just <laughs> it's not just the people that get made fun of here at Mookie mercury radio week after week after week it's not it's everybody the 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 the, the people with the worst religious concepts are the non-religious. They're the uh, ones that say everything. They're the, those are the ones running around talking about the universe and that kind of thing. They don't have no idea what they're talking about. So focusing on language and understanding its meaning and the importance of using it well, I think, makes for better conversations and, and uh, less silliness, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, this has, been, uh, this has been really enlightening. So what do you... Um, just before we're done, what does a day look like for you now that you're in hospice? Uh, is it just terrible? Like you are? Yeah. What, is there anything you need or? Yeah, well, you know, I, when you're in hospice, at least I have visitors coming regularly. Yeah. I think what, I, 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 I'm alone much of the time, and I'm comfortable with that, but it makes for very long days when you're just sort of alone nursing your pain. Wow. And that's not the way I was living even just three or four weeks ago. Things right. change quickly, and so I really miss a lot of the autonomy that I had. Sure. And, yeah. 
Yeah, because you, so you can't drive right now. I'm or? trying to drive less. Okay. I do still drive, but it makes me uncomfortable. Um, I feel pretty vulnerable when I'm out there driving, and yeah. and I don't quite feel up to it. I'm always preoccupied by the, my level of discomfort. So I. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. And then if you get hopped up on those goofballs, probably can't probably <laughs> yeah. can't drive around too yeah, much. I try to drive less now. Yeah. Yeah. So are you still in the East Bay? I'm just. Yes, I'm oh, still okay. living so you in came Oakland. All the way out here. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I I'm. Happy Happy to, to come do this. I thought it was important that we get a chance to talk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we miss you at the mm, station. I miss doing it. And, I sure do. Uh, you know, anytime you want to send us a, you can always do a little <laughs> podcast at home and send it to me. I'll play it. All right. I'll play all right. it in the morning. I'll, I'll send you one. You can send the uh, <laughs> the, the 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 daily. Uh, the Daily Diary. Yeah, well, I, I, I nearly brought in a bunch of music with me. Just oh! let's just say, oh, let's just let's just let's, let's, let's just do Morning Train. Yeah, 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 we can we forget can all this it. cancer talk. Let's just yeah, play records. I am just, I'm, I'm just. You've opened my eyes to a lot of things, and good. I'm actually going. Good, good. I'm going to the doctor later this month to get some things checked out that I've oh, been concerned about. Good. That I'm like, because I'm over forty now, and that's when things. Yeah. That's when everybody's getting cancer. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah, it is. Don't make it worse by, by putting it off. Just deal with it. Right. You know? yeah. yeah. And then don't blame God and don't have self-pity about it if I do. Yeah. Because because if I if anything is wrong with me, I mean, I've been smoking for 22 years. So, I mean, yeah. come on. It's yeah. like, I, like I don't know that that's going to do something to right. my body Yeah, you eventually. can't play dumb on that one anymore. Right, you know? I can't play dumb. When you smoke dumb. cigarettes or any of the other things we do that we know endanger our lives, you just you yeah. have to accept that you do those things. Right. Yeah. So heroin, here I come. Just kidding. <laughs> right, thank you so All much, right. J.D. Buell. Have a great afternoon. This has been Some Call Me Tim. It's 3 o'clock for the next hour. We're going to play some pervert fervor because we still do that. Uh, weird beepity boops. Uh, we'll be right back here on Mutiny Radio.
those who have an insatiable appetite for all things in life, who scream at nothing and everything at the same time, who dance till sunup, who cause the sun to set again with irreverent bow, who rival the moon with gravitational force, who leave rooms feeling empty and earthquake struck, who don't give a fuck, who make, who do, who dream out loud and laugh like maniacs, who draw shock and doll on faces graced with watching, who create from the soul of an orgasm, who swagger even alone in the shower, who fight with passion and love with passion and are passion, who catapult over cliffs in the name of revolution, who would rather die than fall in line to conform, who constantly challenge the norm, who greet each and every day as if just born, I say to you, I know your greatness the way a suicide jumper knows weightless just before the impact, and in fact, I know it best when I say to you, I love you. The Night Space brings you High Time Storytime every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. Listen to San Francisco's finest underground comedians read crazy stories written by me, Arden, on The Night Space. The Night Space featuring High Time Storytime every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. High Time Storytime Volume 1 now available on Amazon.com for Kindle and electronic download. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. (laughs) 
Well, hey there, San Francisco. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find Counter Offer, offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini and creamy-licious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They got them. And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads going to come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Blender's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! Tell me what you think about your situation. Complication, aggravation. Is it getting to you? Then tune in live every Sunday from 12 to 2 p.m. to the Edge of Insanity with myself, Paul Brumbaugh, Kit Marie, Brandon Ray, and Mistress Christine. All on Mutiny Radio. That's right, PCRcollective.org. We'll see you there. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8 that's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! 499. Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. 
incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. LSD, fap, acid, fapping, fapping, and acid, acid, fapping, fapping, and acid, fap, 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 acid. Thank you. That song is called Acid and Fapping. This is Tusser Metals with Mute in the Radio. Big up to the number one station that rule the nation. Give it to me every time. Freeform stand every Sunday at 1 p.m. Parking Ninos Unidos at 23rd and Folsom. The Freeform stand and all volunteers run project of the No Penny Opera. It's about sharing the wealth of urban farms and gardens. Making, helping making local growth fresh and nutrients organic produce accessible to all, especially those in individuals or low incomes or tight budgets. The Free Farm Stand grows food in San Francisco and distributes its it for free. We act as a gathered place and mission to encourage community growth and involvement. This effort resolved most around gathering surplus foods from neighborhood gardens, various farmer markets, community gardens, public and private fruit trees, and hosting a space where this bounty can be shared with all. We also work with produce to the people who harvest organic fruits from backyard fruit trees and public spaces and bring it out to our free farm stand. For more information or if you want to help or if you have or know of a fruit tree that he's picking, you can contact Lauren with at produce to the people at produce to the people at gmail.com. Sandy. 
see when some are still not free still not free Some are still not free, still not free.